today's episode, we're jumping right into this. Today's episode, we're looking at this character, this creature, um, and I don't really know what else to say about him besides his nickname certainly fits his features. And it makes you wonder. The things he did certainly make sense to the way he looks as well, which is really weird. But is the way he looks the reason he did the things he did? Is he like, well, I look like that, so I might as well accept that type, right? Like, he's just going to live that life now because he's like, well, I look like a vampire, might as well be a vampire. You're embracing, essentially, the stereotype that people think of you. Because today we're looking at this fella by the name of Richard Trenton Chase. And uh, as most of us know, serial killers always come with three names. That's an interesting benefit of that. You get the full name as a serial killer. But Richard Trenton Chase is somebody I've never heard of. Had no idea about him until I decided to do this podcast. Uh, I happened to just be looking around at different serial killers, and I was like, hmm, Richard Chase. It's It's got two elements of other serial killers' names. You know, I was like, uh, Richard Chase, that seems, it sounds familiar. It almost sounds like a serial killer. It's, it sounds like a serial killer from a movie, like somebody just made it up. Hey, we're looking for, like, uh, Hannibal Lecter, right? Uh, <sighs> Richard Trenton Chase, what a name, even. And you just look at the guy, and you're like, he doesn't even look like a serial killer. He looks like a vagabond. Is that what it is? Is it vagabond or vagabond? Hmm. Um, he definitely looks like a homeless creature type of character. Somebody who is certainly uh, a rickety cricket type, if you've seen Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Just a guy who lives amongst the animals. Uh, he relies on other people's donations, in a sense. Like, hey, can you give me a few dollars so I can eat today? But he's a killer. He's a killer. And who could have guessed? As sad as it is, Richard Trenton Chase, with a name that almost sounds like a politician, he's actually just a murderer. And this happened between, I don't know, some years. It just happened within a month. Okay, he killed a bunch of people in a month's time in Sacramento, California. Alright, now of all the places in the world... California does have a pretty high crime rate. And back in the in the 70s, 80s, they definitely had a serial killer problem. It was almost as if serial killers were competing for the area. Like, well, this is home base. You can't kill. You can't kill in my neighborhood. Don't come over to my neighborhood. You can't kill here. Like, they have some sort of uh, blocks. Like, these are my four blocks of murdering those are yours, you stay off my four blocks, which essentially means you can't take a victim from my space, okay? But Richard is a name that almost is synonymous with serial killers as well. There's not just this Richard, there's many other Richards, but the other thing is, is when I talk about the way that he looks, it is so bizarre when you get into this true crime thing and you get into killers and you look at them and it's almost like, no two look the same. But oddly enough, every single one of them has a very specific feature that stands out and makes them seem like a killer. And it's weird because it's different with every single one of them. It's not the eyes. 
It's not the hands, the haircut, okay? It might be the hands for one killer, but it might be the glasses for the other. But there is something that stands out, and you're like, oh yeah, that's evil. That's an evil thing. But Richard Trenton Chase was born May 29, 1950. He was an American serial killer who killed six people in just a month's time in Sacramento, California. It almost sounds like a video game. Like just going door to door slaying people, but in a month's time, that's anywhere between four and a, four weeks to four and a half weeks. Plenty of time to go around and kill if you were simply going door to door. But it makes you think that he certainly was doing some sort of hunting if he managed to kill for a month's time. He was nicknamed the Vampire of Sacramento. And that is because he drank his victim's blood. He also would cannibalize some of their remains. And like I said, when you look at this guy, you're like, oh, did he just start drinking the blood of victims and killing people because he already looked like a vampire? Or did he start looking more like a vampire once he started drinking the blood? It's all very interesting. And then also, if they na did he want to be called the vampire? Is he okay with it? Did he drink the blood because he wanted that nickname? Or was he just that curious? Because he really just looks like a drug addict. And when I see guys that look like this, I'm always like, how the fuck were they able to kill anyone? It seems like virtually anybody in the world could outpower this person. They could stab this guy with their keys and he would go away. But then you find out, oh, he killed people instead. Like, that's what he did. And you feel like the only way some of these ki uh, killers could get away with murder at all is by being sneaky. They're not coming at you face to face. And they're certainly not going after men. But he also had several other nicknames, and you're going to like these. The Dracula Killer, which is strange. He's killing Dracula, or he is Dracula that also kills. Um, and the Vampire Killer. So, once again, is he Van Helsing, or is he the Vampire? Is he killing his own kind? It's all very confusing. He was actually apprehended January 27, 1978. The span of the crimes lasted in the early months of 77 going into 78, obviously because he was arrested in January. Now, Chase was a native of Sacramento, lived there for most of his life. By 10 years old, he exhibited evidence of all three parts of what is considered the McDonald Triad. Now, if you have not heard of this, I believe I've mentioned it on the shows before, but even you, you might just be a fan of true crime enough to have heard about the McDonald Triad. And simply what it is, it is the um, the double cheeseburger, the medium fry, and the Diet Coke. Okay, it's real precise that you go with the Diet Coke and not the regular Coke. So, no, of course, the McDonald Triad is the three, what they consider to be the three traits that most serial killers all have or had or ways to essentially say, to notice that your kid or uh, a kid in the neighborhood might have these traits and could essentially become a killer. And the three things are, number one, and it's not in any particular order, but number one is the killing of animals or defenseless creatures, essentially, rodents. Um, and then uh, obsession with pyromania, fires, setting fires 
And then lastly, it is wetting the bed. So if, you know, there's three of these things that are exhibited within young person, there is a high possibility of a killer being molded somehow. But they have learned in, in recent years that it's not as accurate as one would think because so many people piss their bed. All right? It's like an anomaly, the amount of kids that I know that grew up wetting their beds. Not personally, but you hear stories all over the world. People are, yeah, I wetted my bed till I was 14. Like, what the fuck? What? All right. Now, Richard Chase, the McDonald triad, was uh, certainly something that he was exhibiting at least this early in history before they really knew anything, you know, deep about it. Uh, it was really just kind of the first theory that came about. Uh, it's very archaic. The theory suggested that it was a development of psychopathy. In Richard Chase's adolescence, he was said to be a heavy drug user, as if you can't tell, simply by looking at him. So what I'm getting at is it's like, do you choose to look a specific way and then kill? Or does your killing inspire you to wear Coke bottle glasses? Okay, it's all very weird that that is connected. But this guy... This Richard Chase, even though in his youth he was abusing drugs, he developed hypochondria, and that just doesn't help when you're probably already pretty paranoid from the drug use. So now you won't even be in the same room with somebody for fear of germs, but you will smoke off the same pipe. I mean, this kid was out of his mind. He would, he would occasionally tell people that he thought his heart stopped beating, he would say that someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. Okay. He actually would hold oranges on his head, believing that vitamin C would be absorbed by his brain via diffusion. So he's not so dumb because he knows what diffusion is, and he also knows that oranges contain a lot of vitamin C. And in theory, you could say that if the orange was placed on the bare skin, it might absorb a little something-something. It might. Now, Chase also believed that his cranial brain, uh, bones had become separated and were moving around. So he shaved his head to be able to watch this activity. So he's up there thinking his skull is literally in pieces. Like, what a weird thing to watch. Like a guy just rubbing his bald head a lot, all the time. Well, trust me, guys. This only gets more entertaining. And maybe for the, wor for the bad, right? Where you're like, Jesus. Something's got to be done. But can we agree that we've, we've probably seen or had kids or friends that had similar things? Like, to the point where the parents were like, you know, it, he'll grow out of it. He'll get better. But then accompany his issue with drug use in his youth. Yeah, it's not going to get better. Uh, after leaving his mother's house because he was believing that she was attempting to poison him, Chase rented an apartment with friends, and you gotta wonder, who are the friends? Chase's roommates, which were also friends, they complained that he was constantly drunk, smoking weed, and on LSD. Chase would also walk around the apartment naked in front of company. Chase's roommates, who were also friends, demanded that he move out. When he refused, the roommates moved out instead. And isn't that the most devious tactic? Because for some reason, when the friends move out, 
now you owe all of the money to the place you're renting. How weird. They broke the lease by leaving early, but now you owe all the money. So, needless to say, you got old Richard here, young dick, walking around the house, drunk, smoking weed, tripping his ass off, showing everybody his peen. And that is, it's call for concern. It's call for concern. People are going to be, you know, people are going to get upset. No one's okay with that. No one would be okay with that in any situation. Right? But then add the fact that he is also inebriated. You could only imagine where it is going. Right? He's not just taking his clothes off and standing there having a conversation. Right? I imagine some strange dancing and gyrating in a general area near a friend's head, typically, is going on. Because he's drunk. He's naked. You know? there's. I'm just surprised that it didn't turn into something more than the friends moving out or him moving out. Because in my mind, you'd just be like, oh yeah, we're just going to push that guy in his room and jar the door closed so he can't get out. But of course, things are never that easy. Um, once alone in the apartment, Chase began to capture, kill, and disembowel various animals. So now that he's on his own, he starts to kill things. And that, that has to make you wonder, had the friends stayed and never moved out, would he have killed? Would he have killed animals? Because he was too busy getting fucked up and showing his naked body. <laughs> would, he ha would he have time to kill if the friends were still there? So many questions. He would actually devour these animals raw, sometimes mixing the raw organs with Coca-Cola in a blender and drinking the concoction. Chase believed that by ingesting the creatures, he was preventing his heart from shrinking. Now imagine being there when you watch him do this. At any point, he, he captures a fucking rat. You know, destroys it, puts it in a damn blender with a Coke, and then just takes it down. Like, wait, what? I thought we were playing Jenga, and you're having some rat cola? Okay. Okay, that's weird. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. But what's wrong? Hard to say. Hard for anyone to say. And that's, that is the shitty, shitty part about mental health is you feel weird trying to let somebody know that there might be something going on. Hey, man, you're acting a little weird. Can we help you somehow? You get what I mean? Like, it's taboo to be like, hey, man, you seem to be acting up. I'd love to help you in any way possible. What can I do to help you? Because then you got to worry about that person being like, what do you mean? I'm completely fine. I'm completely fine. There's nothing wrong with me, dude. I'm acting normal. This is normal as shit. And truthfully, it's not. But to say something to that person to, you know, to convince them there is something wrong seems impossible. And I don't see that many people just willy-nilly doing it. That's why you see these people that are out of their minds fucking living on their own for so long. Like, there's no reason, no reason that should happen. Now, Chase, Richard Chase was eventually 
Dick Chase was eventually institutionalized. He spent a brief time in a psychiatric ward in 1973, but in 1976 he was involuntarily committed to a mental institution upon being taken to a hospital after injecting rabbit's blood into his veins. And just when you think it can't get weirder, he takes it to another level. And if you were his friend and you watch this, you're like that. Yeah, we're good. We should have probably took him in when he was making the fucking rat stew and drinking it with a, a Diet Coke. Yeah, we should have said something then. The staff of the institution actually called him Dracula because of the blood fixation, so that didn't help. I'm sure right when he got out of there, he's like, well, time to get a widow's peak and some real fangs. Now, while he was there, he also broke the neck of two birds that he caught. He drank their blood. He also extracted blood from the therapy dogs with stolen syringes. Imagine being a dog and some random vampire-looking fella comes up, sticks a needle in your arse, and takes a few, you know, a few milliliters of blood. I'm going to be disturbed for the rest of the day. I might not want to fetch, okay? I might just want to lay down today. I had a guy take some blood from me. Why? No idea. No idea. Couldn't tell you. Did I know did I know the guy? Are you what? I mean I don't think I've seen the man. I barely caught a glimpse. He had fucking four milliliters before I turned my head around. It's bullshit. It's the second time this week. Second time. Uh Chase Richard Chase's mother weaned him off of uh his medication, got him his own apartment and initially shared the apartment with roommates before all of them moved out, thus leaving Chase on his own when all of this stuff happened. Now, the reason he got... Apparently, he went to this institution before he was uh, living with these roommates because he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. He underwent a battery of treatments, including psych, uh, psychotropic drugs. Chase was deemed no longer a danger to society, and in 1976, he was released to his mom. And his mom helped him eventually get his place, the place on his own, in which those roommates moved out, left him on his own, and he decided, you know what, I'm fine. I did my time in the mental uh, hospital. I'm good now. We can go out. We can go ahead and hang out with the the wilderness again. And instead, he simply started destroying them as well. You know, capturing animals outside, making the rat cola. A later investigation uncovered that in mid-1977, Chase stopped. Chase was stopped and was arrested on a reservation in the Pyramid Lake of Nevada area. His body was smeared with blood, and a bucket of blood was found in his truck. Who? How'd he get his license? First off, how'd he get his license? How'd he get free will to go just hang out in Nevada? The blood was determined to be cow's blood, thankfully, and no charges were filed, oddly enough. It's like, oh, we just got this man entirely covered in blood walking through the desert. I mean, driving through the desert in a truck. And even, I mean, the walking thing was already strange enough, but to find out, oh, he's driving. He got a car. And this is why the DMV is such a, a fucked up place. Because they're willing to give psychotic people a 2,000 pound killing machine, <laughs> essentially. They say, hey, you're in control of that now. Enjoy. And they're like, Burger King! What? I think that guy's going to Burger King. I don't know. Next. You know, the next person comes up. What the fuck? But now on to the actual dark parts of the story outside of just him eating disgusting animals and being institutionalized after showing his penis to his 
roommates, a.k.a. friends, a.k.a. best friends. On December 29, 1977, Chase killed his first known victim in a drive-by shooting. So once again, the dude is fucking driving. It's so bizarre to me. I just don't know how that happens. How do they get away with that? How do they, how do they get away with him having a license? That is a terrifying thing. Why We don't need that. You know, we don't need more terrible drivers on the road. Especially, I don't know. The stipulations are already pretty intense to keep people from driving, you know? Or to get a license, even. And yet, somehow, we're still seeing stuff like this. This fella with a, a vehicle. The victim was Ambrose Griffin, which is also a sweet fucking name. Sounds like somebody that discovers a superhero. Like, not the superhero, but like his guy. Ambrose Griffin. Ambrose Griffin. Unfortunately, he was a 51-year-old engineer and a father of two, and he was killed in a drive-by shooting by some crazy heroin addict vampire-looking guy. Uh, he attempted to enter the home of a woman two weeks later, but because her doors were locked, as they should be, he walked away. Chase later told detectives that he took locked doors as a sign that he was not welcome. Uh, duh. But he unlocked, unlocked doors with an invitation to come inside. So that, that theory is so crazy that it's like at any point you could just happen to have your door unlocked and he checks it and you can come, he, he gets to come inside now. Like what a, his, a weird mind, a weird brain. Ugh. He was once caught and chased off by a couple returning home as he pilfered through their belongings. He had also urinated and shit on their infant child's bed and clothing. Of all things you could shit on in the house, to simply shit on the child's clothes? It's like, do you know him personally? Because that's the only excuse I would give for shitting on anybody's anything. You have a grudge. But it, this is a child. You don't know him. And never have known him or her. <laughs> you just shit on their stuff. I don't get it. And that is kind of the fascinating part that makes it humorous where you're like, I want to know what your brain said to you in that moment. Because my mind is like, I never, it would have never even crossed my mind to be like, well, I should also just shit on their stuff, right? I mean, that's next. That is next in the logical steps. I've pilfered through the belongings. Time for a shit. Time to shit on the clothes. I mean, what is the mind doing? What is his mind doing? Is that what it was? It was so simple as that? Or it didn't even do anything? He's like pilfering, pilfering, rummaging, rummaging, and then he just drops his pants and shits. He happened to be in the kids' room. Now, this only gets more gruesome. It's not as if this was some sort of story of redemption where eventually Richard Chase was going to become this hero that saved a kitten from a tree. No, of course, he's a fucking bad guy. And he looks the part, even though he looks like somebody that probably, he, he probably only decided to cannibalize people because he didn't take time to eat at any other point. You know, he's, his mind, I don't, he's fucked. Because he did, uh, he shot Myroth, her six-year-old son, Jason, and her 22-month-old uh, nephew, David. And then he went on to mutilate Myroth and engaged in necrophilia and cannibalism with her corpse. So he killed her and two kids. And then 
did horrible, horrible things to her body. Ugh. Absolutely rough. Just horrendous. And it's clear this probably could have been avoided had somebody done something about his mental illness after 76. After the roommates moved out. After the roommates moved out, he should have been right back at home with mommy or grandpa or somebody, just somebody to take care of him, be responsible for him, and make sure that he's not doing anything ridiculous. As soon as, as, soon as any person of authority or of adulthood found out, even though he was living on his own, as soon as they would have found out that he had uh, did those things to those animals, there should have been some somebody doing something to stop it. Not even to the extreme. And today you could be like, oh, it's not my business. It's not your business to do what? Save somebody's life? Because if you notice these things that are, are a part of this uh, McDonald triad, you have to sit and you have to say, well, something's up. Somebody needs to talk to somebody. This person needs to talk to somebody because something's not right. They're killing animals. They're drinking rats and coke. Okay, that's fucking bizarre. A visitor ended up knocking on the door who startled Chase, and then he fled, taking uh, Meredith's car. That's hard to say. Meredith's car. He took um, David's body with him, which is... What the fuck? The visitor alerted a neighbor who called the police. They then discovered Chase had left uh, perfect handprints and shoe prints on uh, in the blood. Chase was arrested shortly afterwards. It's obvious he was doing that because he didn't care. He didn't even know really what he was doing. I mean, he might have been out of his mind. He might have known that he was killing. But in those moments, he's not thinking that he's going to get caught for it. Does he plead insanity and just get away with all this shit? I mean, is that how this ends? Because that's usually what we hear. Situations like this. Police uh, that ended up searching Chase's apartment found that the walls, floor, ceiling, and refrigerator... And all of Chase's eating and drinking utensils were soaked in blood. Like, what a fucking scene. Even if you went in there and you found out that it was cow's blood or pig's blood or something, you know what I mean? Something foreign. You would still be a, a little bit distraught. Everything in this apartment is covered in blood. Why? What's that for? I gotta know. So many questions here. Can somebody bring him in here? Got questions. It's just fucking crazy. Like, the cops have to walk into that and be like, okay, I don't see any body parts. I don't see any flesh. I just see a spork covered from top to bottom in blood. Uh, what are we doing here? Like, we gotta get out of here, Roger. Call for backup. And when I say backup, they're taking the lead. I'm going home. In 1979, Richard... Trenton Chase finally stood trial on six counts of murder. Now, in order to avoid the death penalty, which he was most certainly up for, his defense tried to say, let's get second-degree murder, which would result in a life sentence because of his mental illness, and a suggestion that his crimes were not premeditated. On May 8, 1979, the jury found Chase guilty of six counts of first-degree murder, they rejected the argument that he was not guilty by reason of insanity, and they sentenced him to die in the gas chamber.
His fellow inmates, aware of the extremely violent nature of the crimes, feared him and, according to prison officials, often tried to persuade Chase to commit suicide. So there's this entire facility of bad people that are afraid of this dude. Now, I'm sure what certainly pushed the fear on people, especially the other prisoners, is the fact that he would eat other people. He would eat people. He would drink the blood. Otherwise, not a very terrifying guy. Preyed on the weak. Chase granted an, a series of interviews with Robert Ressler during which he spoke of his fears of Nazis and UFOs, claiming that although he had killed, it was not his fault. He had not been forced to kill to keep himself alive, or he had been forced to kill to keep himself alive, which he believed any person would do. He asked Ressler to give him access to a radar gun in which he could apprehend the Nazi UFOs. Like, that's how crazy the guy was. Even into his arrest and jail time, he was still talking absurd shit. Just random, random stuff nobody else talks about that is of normal mind, of sane mind. Now, he also handed... Um, well, the reason he wanted to capture the Nazi UFOs is because the Nazi UFOs would be the ones that should be standing trial for the murders. He also handed... Wrestler a large amount of macaroni and cheese, which he had been hoarding in his pockets. He believed that the prison officials were in the league with the Nazis and attempting to kill him with poisoned food. So, you know, keep the macaroni in your pocket for a few days, and then it's fine. Like, what the... I don't... Uh, what... If this is where he's at after being arrested, apprehended, he had to have been much more untamed in the streets living his day-to-day -day life, correct? That only makes sense. Here he's being watched every day, and the, mo the most they can say is that he talks about Nazi UFOs and gives people macaroni and cheese he keeps in his pockets. But on December 26, 1980, Chase was found dead in his cell. The following autopsy found that he committed suicide with an overdose of prescribed antidepressants that he had saved over several weeks. So essentially, the prisoners got their way. They got their way in convincing him to kill himself because he does eventually do that. Now, the fact that he was arrested in 79 and ends up dying almost a year to the day later, he probably knew that that was his plan. How does that help people in the future when people start other youth start showing signs like this? We could have used this man information and try to fix him while he's incarcerated to help people in the future that are on the streets themselves maybe dealing with the same issues maybe not to that same extreme yet but that's exactly what it is not yet <laughs>